Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. The following reflects neither the policies nor the thoughts of iHeartMedia or its employees. But we think it's probably a good idea to listen to it anyway. Money Sense is a presentation of Kirsten Wealth Management Group. As managing partners of Kirsten Wealth Management Group, your hosts, Dennis Kirsten, Brad Kirsten, and Kevin Kirsten, are professional financial advisors with LPL Financial with over 75 years of combined experience. They can be reached in their Perrysburg offices at 419-872-0067 or 800-875-1786. Their email address is kirstenwealth at lpl.com. Also, visit their website at kirstenwealth.com. Opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your financial advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Good morning and welcome to Money Sense. Brad Kirsten, Dennis, and Kevin Kirsten here with you this morning in a week that I don't think a lot of us thought we would get to, which is... uh, Even the Dow now approaching uh, the February highs, and so all three major indices either at or above their February highs and doing it in in a five-month period well before the election and we're going to talk a lot about the when when the market is doing what it's doing what it means for the election what it means for what the month of september and october will look like and uh it's it's been pretty unusual uh as far as the rally but if we look at the whole year and we take that blip of the sell-off out and we take the the kind of the unusualness of this v-shaped recovery off it kind of just looks like we've made a straight line from the start of the year to a level that we probably thought we could get to before the election and now we're making some adjustments, and we'll talk throughout the ch- show about what those really are. A lot of them are just taking the temporary risk on adjustments back to a, a more normal level, and more still, of a rebalance, a, a, more of a rebalance, a rebalance, yeah. and, and keeping long-term investments investments fully invested throughout the the whole period. Well, it's been quite a rally, and as you have mentioned um, most shows recently, uh, it's been a little more concentrated, really, in the technology area. Um, is there a, a phrase out there now called the stay-at-home trade? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of um, stocks that benefit from what people are doing from home, uh, well, the consumer discretionary. I think it's pretty short-sighted to think that there's a couple things happening that are, that are short-sighted, that we're not going to have a vaccine, that we're not going to be back to normal at some point. And I think any company that thinks that the stay-at-home is going to be permanent for them is going to be missing out on the next growth of any industry because there is a starvation of people to get back to work and back to normal. And I think any company saying, we're just going to do it like this because we've we've gotten through at, at this point, even if it's a restaurant saying, we're just going to do takeout, it's working. Eventually, that will dry up too because people don't want it. They're doing it now. That's right. They're working at home or they're doing takeout or they're, they're doing all these things, but it is not permanent. That's right. And one thing here, Danny, here's what I think is interesting and, and- – Yes, we've been doing rebalancing the last couple of days, selling the winners, booking some profits. That is what you need to do. If you were nervous in March, if you wanted to get out in March, 
okay? And then you— Whether you made an adjustment to get more aggressive or not. Right. And and now the market's getting to all-time highs, and you're like, boy, it's really doing well now. I don't want to mess with it. No. If you were too aggressive in March and you did and you didn't do anything then, now's the time. Yeah. You are given you have been given a tremendous opportunity to reassess your risk level. The market basically told you how risky it was. Guess what? The market is riskier today than it was on March 23rd. Mm-hmm. Well, how can that be, Kevin? The market was down 36% on March 23rd. How can the market be riskier today? It is definitely riskier today in the stock market than it was Five months ago. Because you have to look at it <laughs> in me, that moment. Me, the market gets riskier the higher it goes. Yeah. Let me, let People me don't jump, understand that. Let me jump in there. On March 23rd, they rang the bell. I heard it. Yeah. And um, that was the low day. So people are pretty nervous. You don't feel very good. You wonder how far it's going. Yeah. So at that moment in time, around that time, we don't know for sure when the worst day is. What are some of the options people can do? And what's what's? There's really one really bad choice. I guess there's three things you can do. You can do nothing. Yeah, and that's like what uh, Woody Hayes used to say about the forward pass, right? Yes. There's three things that can happen, and two of them are bad. Well, I say that about chipping too. <laughs> that's why I put from off the green. <laughs> it was uh, it was incompletion, interception, or, or completion. Well, there's there's three things you can do at the bottom of the market, and two of them are good. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, do nothing. One of them, buy more. on the do nothing is, I like this phrase, don't just do something, stand there. Yeah. You, the, the urge, I can't take it anymore, get me out. Yeah, and that, that, that was a fine option then. But if you were nervous and I can't take it anymore and you decided to do nothing, I think that's the point Kevin is making is yeah. at the bottom, say the risk of another 15. Well, that's not as great as right now. Uh, we could go down 15, especially in these certain sectors that have gone up so much, and the, nobody would People think it's a big deal. Investors yeah. don't realize that when the market goes up, their risk increases, not decreases. You, Your probability for future good returns goes down. Goes down. Yeah. Okay, think about it. The market is up 50% off the low. Do you realize where the market would have to go to go up another 50%? It'd be obscene, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. But when it's doing well... When right. it's doing well, we always say, but, market's doing well now. Why would you sell? No, the market did well. Yep. In, in investing, there is no present tense. There is what happened in the past, and there is what is going to happen in the future. There is no present tense. One more story, you know, personal stories from conversations during that time. Client uh, uh, called me up, and and uh, we, we were having a review meeting, and they, here's a question we hear all the time. Is this a good time to invest? Okay. And this was in the middle of March, first, second week in March. I said, well, uh, right now there's a 25% off sale. Now there might be a 35% off sale. I don't know, but it's 25% cheaper than it was, you know, a month earlier. Well, and and everyone always wants to hit the top, hit the bottom. And I look at some of the trades that we made this year. Okay. We were selling in late, we were selling stocks in late January. The eventual top was three weeks later. We were buying stocks in mid-March. The eventual bottom was a week later. A little more than a week later. Okay. Now we're rebalancing back. Who knows where the eventual top is? Yeah. Now, does that mean it's a permanent top? Like, okay, ring the bell. I'm done. I, I hear a lot of people approaching retirement. Well, I was getting to retirement, so I was thinking about selling everything anyway. No. It's about assessing where the risk is for the next correction, which, by the way, should be bought. <laughs> and so people need to do that. But I, here's what I, one thing I think is interesting about S&P sectors right now, Brad. The S&P has 11 sectors. There's only three sectors 
that are outperforming the S&P. All three are essentially tech sectors. Yeah. Okay. Now, of course, the technology sector is outperforming the S&P. Okay. The communication service sector is essentially made up of Facebook and Google. Right. Okay. That's a tech sector. That's a tech sector. The consumer discretionary sector. Biggest holding Amazon. Is Amazon. Yeah. That's pretty much a tech sector. But if you look at the rest of the sectors in the S&P. Even healthcare. There's a, Denny, you talk about an on sale. Okay. You, you talk about on sale. Consumer staples are only up five. That's probably where you think they would be. Energy is down 39. How about the three-year average per year return on energy? Minus 13 annualized. Per year. Goodness. Mm -hmm. Okay. Financials, minus 16.7 on the year. Three-year average, zero. Healthcare, uh, less than the S&P, up 6.7. Okay. Industrials, minus three on the year. Three-year average, six. Materials. Only up four on the year. Three-year average, 7%. Real estate down 4%. Utilities down 7%. You think utilities would actually uh, do a little bit better with falling rates, but they're not. So the point is, it is not a broad-based rally. And neither should your rebalance. Your rebalance shouldn't be broad-based. It could be if you went in as a broad-based, but you really need to be looking at what outperformed. That's probably what has been inflated from what you intended it to be in your portfolio. Most people suck at selling. Because when they're looking, they're saying, I'm not going to touch that because it's doing so well. That is precisely what we were doing this week. When you talk about things that were were outperforming their long term average, we're lightening up on them. Are we eliminating them? No. But they have been doing so well that they are too big of the portfolio and they need to be reduced. The three year average annual return on large cap growth is twenty four point four at annualized. The three-year annualized return on small cap value is minus 0.8, okay? Now, people think they're diversified a lot of times because they own 10 things. But many times, they'll buy 10 things in their 401k, Denny, and they're all up a yep. lot, yep. okay? I'm telling you right now, if you look at your statement and you have 10 investments in your 401k and you don't at least hate four of them, you're then not, you're not you're diversified, not diversified. Yeah. okay? You should look at at least four positions in your 401k and say, that's really bad. If you don't, you own all the same things. And you might as well just put it all in one one position because you own all the same things. Now, a lot of 401ks, though, you're looking at these retirement-ready or asset allocation funds, and you don't realize, but you have a lot of those things that you wouldn't like if you looked at the individual position because they're in there. Right. You might be they're happy a with the year-to-date. Or, or a 10% position. You don't know it's in there. Yeah, your year-to-date looks fine. You're slightly positive. But in under the hood – you have a lot of these things that would be hard for you to buy on your own and, and really and keep. Those, those retirement-ready portfolios might be good for somebody like that, Brad, because if you're the type of investor that can't stand to look at an investment that's down, you might be better served by being in or, one of those retire-ready portfolios. And it's a lot easier to dial up and down risk. And right now, if you were nervous a, a while ago, if you, if you didn't touch it, you, you probably don't need to – you still don't need to touch it. But if you were nervous back then, now, at, at a – at a time when the market is beyond its previous high, is the time to take that risk down a notch. By the way, we're not immune from these feelings. This we're not. You know, we 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 talk this out. We make the good decisions for the clients, Dad. But we even let's let's be honest about even the way we feel at these various peaks and troughs. Okay, it's it's hard for even you, as an advisor to make that sale. <laughs> right. I mean, we were reducing risk the last couple of days, and let, let's be honest. I said to Denny. You want to be involved in this? Uh, it, it ha it's, it's a natural feeling. Yeah. And, and we often say the best trades you'll ever make 
never feel good. No. Yeah. The, the okay. buy doesn't feel good at the bottom. The sell doesn't feel good because you don't know if if short term where it's going to be. I was making some buys for clients in March and even myself. I mean, I, I think it's important to point out that you're, you're people think that just because you're involved in this business, you're involved in markets, that you're immune from those emotions. And it's not about that. Okay? Those emotions exist. The point is you have to look at data and facts history history of the market and that's you know by the way we could be better served on uh, a lot of things that are going on in this world by looking at real data and facts well the market is no different amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals from courses to help you attain or retain certification to individualized coaching services to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen management concepts optimizes your professional development Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. You want to look at the hard data, the facts, and the history to guide you to make those good decisions. It doesn't mean that those good decisions will feel good at the time. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the problem. Everyone wants that feel good. You know what feels good right now? Buy some Tesla. Yeah, that feels Not a recommendation good. to buy or sell Tesla, but it will feel good. Is but it is right? it right? Yeah, right. Okay, and so that's that's an important thing. A lot of the best decisions you ever make in your life uh, sometimes are a little bit contrarian. You know, one question that people ask me a lot: How do you invest? And I said that that's not a fair question. Yeah, because you could, if if you can <laughs> take the ups and downs, it's not yeah, yeah it's not the same right. as somebody who will right. worry about it. That's right. That's right. It, everybody is different. Their risk tolerance, their temperament. Um, how many times have we had someone uh, will sit down with someone? Ask them about their time horizon. Oh, it's three years, five years, or whatever. And um, early on, the market goes down, and they want to pull out. Right. Well, if then that wasn't the time horizon. Yeah, if, if we knew the time horizon was three months, you but, should have but never versa, invested. We have long-term investors who are who are older, and the only time they look at it is when they come in for a six-month review meeting. Yeah, and and so they can they can. Ride the up and down. Yeah. They can be more invested in stocks, and and they never worry right. about it. Well, there's so always it, it there's always two things. There's what you can handle, but there's also what's right for your situation in terms of if you're retired, the withdrawals you're taking, yeah. the money you need in the next two or three years. You know, you could be the riskiest investor in the world, but if in the next three years you need twenty five percent of your account out of your account, that that doesn't mean you should be a hundred percent stock. No, that's right. That's right. So there's there's two things. There's that go a lot of factors. Let's wrap this up before the the first segment is over. I want to just kind of just stress we're, we're not all out. Okay. We but we, that's the other thing. When you yeah. rebalance or you sell a little bit or you take yeah. some profits, if it te- keeps going higher, you're still participating. Right. <laughs> we entered the year thinking we wanted to be a little bit more conservative before this period before the election. We started to get that way and then moved all not just back but even further into stocks by the middle of March. That is what we're removing. We're going back to call it benchmark weightings for whatever that client's benchmark is. If you were 80-20 to start the year, you might have been almost 100% stocks, and now we're back to 80-20. If you were 60-40 to start the year, you we went probably a little bit more than 70-30. It grew to be 75-25, and now we're coming back to 60-40. And so that's it. The temporary was what the risk was that we put on. Okay, The temporary is not what's going on now. The, the temporary risk off... It is not. This is not a temporary risk off. This is where we would have been had nothing happened. This is where we would have been had it just chugged along and we're up five percent on the year right now. The temporary was back then where we were adding risk, and now it's and now it's back off. If the market kept moving, I would just like like you were saying, the further up it goes here before the election, maybe the further down it, it can go 
right before or right after the election, and we will go a little bit further, but that then. And I want to get into the thought process surrounding the election, and and people will say to me, uh, we're going to take our first break here in a second, but what do you think about the market and the election and what's going to happen after the election? Well, tell me where the market is. Yeah. Okay, the Dow's at, you know, people reference the Dow, so I'll reference the Dow. Dow's at 28.5 or something like that. If the Dow is at 32,000 on election day, I'm probably going to be negative no matter who no gets matter elected. Who wins. And no matter what the Senate okay. and the House do. Yeah. If the Dow's at 22,000 before election day, I'm probably going to be positive no matter who wins. Yeah. So when you when you look in either direction on that, so much is determined as to what happens right before and we're going to talk about yeah. that after our first pause. You're listening to Money Sense, Kevin Brad and Dennis Kirsten will be right back. And welcome back to the show. You're listening to the advisors of Kirsten Wealth Management Group, Kevin Kirsten, Brad Kirsten, and Dennis Kirsten. As a reminder, uh, we are professional financial advisors. We can be reached at our office in Perrysburg, 419-872-0067, or check us out online, kirstenwealth.com. You can follow along to many of the things that we talk about, especially our weekly market commentary, which talks about the election. We're going to get into the election uh, right now. So uh, check that out, the weekly market commentary on our website, kirstenwealth.com. So, so many different things as it pertains to the election and the markets um big picture before we drill down i just want to say big picture you can make money no matter who is in office Mm -hmm. okay made money under clinton made money under obama made money under bush made money under reagan the the lesson for the election is is the long-term lesson of the stock market which is over time there's like an eight-year period. There's not many eight-year periods we don't make money in the market. Right. Okay. So, but it does change where you go. It does change the direction, and 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 so you know you want to you want to look at it from that view first. And the reason I point that out, Denny, is many people and people know where yeah. we stand politically. Yeah. Many people after the election and the re-election of Obama in eight and twelve, I saw I saw some people who couldn't get past their political, and sold. Yeah. Okay. And I'm sure there were plenty of people on on the more liberal side of things that thought Trump's election was the end of the world, and they sold. So selling and bailing out is not the strategy that we're talking about as it pertains to the election. It is degrees. Yes. It's always degrees. Here's my analogy that I used during the Obama years. We did okay. The, the, how did the market went down, whatever, from high to low, 50%. Uh, in that neighborhood, mm-hmm. we recovered. It was one of the weakest recoveries from a recession ever. The only silver lining there was because we had very low economic growth because of high taxes and regulations, we never created that much excess. You didn't, you didn't form a bubble anywhere. Yeah, so that allowed the expansion to be more years. Mm-hmm. Here's the analogy I used, I used during those years. It will be the same. This is a different Democratic Party this time. They are more liberal, more extreme. The analogy I used was I used to run. I don't run so much anymore uh, and so forth. You and I, Brad, ran the Columbus Marathon in 07. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I go in our house in the morning. I go down to the tracks and back. And mm-hmm. there'd be a couple of times I'm running on my way down. I'm thinking, I'm feeling really pretty good. I must be in I'm better in, shape than I'm in, the other day. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing I'm all right. There. Yeah, and then I reach my the tracks, the railroad tracks, and we live down the country, turn around, and I realize I was with the wind. Yeah. And on the way back, I was into the wind. Right. And I wasn't feeling so good. And that's the analogy, okay? Uh, under 
if President Trump is reelected and we have a um, low tax, low regulation environment, the wind is at your back. Right. Okay. The other way, uh, the wind is in your face yep. and it's not a gentle breeze. Can you still get back to, to, to you, where you, you need to be or can you yes. still move forward? Yes. yes. But you've, you're carrying a boat anchor of taxes. You want to have jobs go back overseas to China. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, so Biden's favorite comment, they're not bad folks, folks. Well, no, they're not when they're paying your son millions. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so there's an America first philosophy for the working man under Trump and uh, low taxes, lower regulations leads to more economic growth. The wind is at your back, pure and simple. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. So when you look at our weekly market commentary, just get into a couple things here. Uh, first of all, it was kind of surprising. I guess I didn't even know this, but I mean, it favors the incumbent. If you look through history, it's 70 percent. I didn't realize it was that high that the, the incumbent yeah. uh, wins. Uh, and I, obviously that should be logical because, you know, we have a lot of eight year presidents. So yeah. uh, it does just in general favor the incumbent. Um, the enthusiasm gap. There's much more enthusiasm towards Trump in his party compared yeah. to Biden. Yeah. Uh, although the polls right now favor Biden. But really, the polls to look at to me are compare the compare Hillary Clinton's polls to Biden's polls. And, and, because, there's, and there's almost no state where Trump is not better off. Better or worse uh, than where he was. At this point, yeah. This, yeah, in this name. Right. Uh, you know, the president's approval rating, Trump is a different animal. I don't think you can look at the president approval rating to to, gain, to garner anything. So uh, when when you look at that, though, what, one thing that's interesting that Ryan Dietrich from LPL pointed out was the three months leading into the election, pretty good predictor of the overall market. Uh, if the market's positive from essentially early August to early November – that bodes well for the incumbent party as well. And so, you know, we're, we're looking at it in chart form right now, and it's really a, a stark difference when you look at incumbent, incumbent wins versus incumbent loses. What's, what I think is really interesting about incumbent wins, in the average election year when an incumbent wins, there's a rally in the early part of the year followed by an average sell-off, and we did not have an average sell-off no, this year. No, but we did not. What is that average sell-off? About 5% yep. in March and April, followed by a rally right rally up from April into the election. So that's yeah. interesting to look at. When the uh, incumbent party loses, you sell off right from the beginning of the year, rally into August, and then sell off from August to November. It's very interesting to look at that stark difference. But and kind of at your point of tell me where the market is on election day, and I'll tell you what 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 how I'm going to feel. If you rally up to the election, the tendency then is to sell off right after, no matter who wins. And if you sell off before, you tend to rally, no matter who wins. So it goes to your point of if we're at a market high, if we've rallied up to the election, there will be a little bit of a letdown, no matter who wins, and vice versa. There's a you're already on sale, so now. The relief rally of the uncertainty of who's going to be elected is out of the way. Now, I think the one difference this year is I think going into the election, there will be this thought of this election might not be over on Election Day. And if that happens, I think we're going to continue to let the air out of the balloon for until we actually know. And so no matter who gets elected, we need to actually know who's elected before you can really make a determination of. Uh, we're going to continue to rise or we're going to keep falling. You know, this chart we have here, the uh, when the incumbent wins, uh, 
three months before the election at rallies. Now, is that because the feeling is the incumbent will stay, or is that because of the economy, or is it a combination of both? Um, but that, that is a very good indicator. And if the incumbent loses, you look in the three months before, and in general, it does not do very well. Yeah. And um, you look at um, four years ago. Okay, what ha- what happened in the last couple of months or so before the election? You were almost exactly a ten percent sell-off. It was nine point nine four in the two weeks before the election. Now, when you say incumbent, is that a re-election or is that a gum- staying in the same party? The incumbent party, party yep. which was Hillary. Yep. So, I mean, we had a pretty big. Yeah. Decent sell-off. A 10% sell-off. It ended on the Monday before the election. Yeah. A lot of people think. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny what actually happened versus what people think happened. People think that the market sold off after Trump got elected because that night we were showing futures oh, yeah. off 1,000 points on yeah. the Dow. That morning, we were only down a couple hundred points in the morning, and that day finished up every day from Wednesday on after the election – was up that week. We didn't have a down day. In yeah. fact, when I look at this chart, uh... amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Of the incumbent party losing, which is what happened in 2016. Yeah. Uh, it looks identical to 2016, even yeah. though this this it, is going back 50 exactly years. almost exactly what happened. In, uh, in, in, in actually, 16, going yeah. back to 1936. So it would be very interesting to watch. Now, I will say we've had, I think, maybe the best August ever in, yeah. in the overall market. And the batting average for September is not very good when August is this good. In fact, going back to 1950, when August increases by more than 5%, September's positive only 3 out of 11 times. Yeah. So, uh, But that would make sense. We are due for a correction, yeah. and that's something to look at. Well, if we're going to use 16 as a guide at all, I think it is important to remind people of what actually happened. We had a 10% sell-off till the Monday before the election. You're getting right to that point of of, okay, the election's here, and the sell-off kind of subsides. Anybody who's going to sell has already sold. On election day... In 2016, we had had a sell-off, but we were also, on Election Day, had gone two years where the S&P had gone nowhere. That's right. We were were basically flat on the year. At the end of October there. We had a 22-month period. The market was up 2.2% in a 22-month period. So you're right. Almost two years of going nowhere. That would be said. September of 18, two years ago. The S and P was right at about three thousand. So that, that who knows? I mean, there could be could a correction we get right back to there. There yeah, could be a right. correction that sends it back there. Now, post election, everybody thinks, oh, it was must have been technology stocks from the day of the election till today. It was not. The Nasdaq and large cap growth in particular moved up about five percent over a four month period, while small cap stocks moved up twenty two percent in that same period. Then, since then, small caps went sideways and have almost gone sideways since then. And, and the large cap growth area of the market, technology leading the way, 
after that period, there was this rotation. So if you think it has been nothing but tech, you were, you were wrong because right after the election, it was not. The, the thought was smaller companies, less regulation, it affects them, uh, more of a burden on their balance sheet. Maybe taxes are going to help them more. Let's just kick it right off, and small caps are going to lead the way. We didn't get those tax cuts for a whole nother year. Well, and let's get into that policy right now. Let's talk about, and then you can kind of go to the types of companies that it will help or hurt, and go right down the line. And this is in our right in our market commentary uh, from our website, KirstenWealth.com. Let's start with the corporate tax rate. That's the big one, yep. right? 35 to 21 under the Trump administration had a positive impact on earnings. There's no question about it. Biden is looking to raise it back to 28. So uh, it likely would take a Democrat sweep of Congress to get that. And, it, you know, that doesn't look like likely at this point. But even at 28 uh, percent, the rate is lower than before 2017. But it's it's an increase. Prior to that happening, we were at 35. Companies were going overseas. Uh, we were the highest in the world, in the developed world. I think there's tax some, inversions. We don't have any yeah. talk about tax inversions. Yeah, we're going to Ireland yeah. for 12 percent or 8 yeah, percent. Right. And uh, now, now they're all coming back. You want jobs coming back. You want manufacturing coming back. You want uh, pharmaceuticals coming back or you want a made in China. Yeah. Right. And, and maybe there's an election. That wave will continue to happen. I mean, Trump really trying to promote that, getting everything made back here and lower taxes are the incentive to, to get that done. So I think that wave will continue for the next four years. How about this? You want to fund the police and have law and order or not? Well, and, and this goes to you got to cover up the name. You know, you can say what you want about Trump. You can like him personally or not like him personally, but be a responsible person in terms of your vote. And cover up the name. You can, this is a really good start for somebody. Go to our website, KirstenWealth.com, and look at the side-by-side. In fact, uh, this commentary, is I think it's fairly nonpartisan, to be honest with you. Yeah. But look at the side-by-side. Here's another one, Dad. Uh, when you're looking at it and, and saying there are a few lesser-known provisions in there that could affect bottom lines of corporations. And one of them is this global intangible low-tax income. My gosh. I mean, they're coming up with new ones all the time. Ten and a half to 21 uh, percent. Uh, it's sort of a minimum corporate tax they want to yeah, impose. Like an alternative minimum. You have to yeah. pay something. Yeah. Yes, you yeah. have to pay something. So that's something that will you know, slide through there that uh, uh, may or may not, you know, that's something that Biden is supporting. But once again, it would likely take uh, a Democrat sweep uh, to get that through. Estimates vary on the impacts on the bottom line, but the tax rate alone will lift the effective tax rate over 5 percent. I think I think what's misguided that's about that's a five percent like cut in earnings. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, higher, what's misguided about that is it, who who would not pay somebody with big capital expenditures that's actually deducting them all because of the new tax policies? That is business spending. That's incentive to grow your business. That you could deduct everything, depreciate everything, and that's why it's happening. It's a one-off. It's one or two years as a company's expanding their business. Right. It's if, not a, a, a every year thing. And if they're spending on capital expenditures, who benefits they're from betting, it? They're, they're benefiting the entire economy. You they're know, buying they're, stuff from somebody. They're buying stuff. They're spending money. They're employing people. They're doing all the things that actually do create tax revenue, and yet their, their bottom line for that tax year might have been a zero. That's right. Okay, let's get past that and, and look at the companies that are doing that are probably growing. So just closing it out on taxes, of course – the, the anticipation was when we had this huge corporate tax cut that there's going to be this giant business investment. Now, some of that was hampered by uh, the trade war that went on. Uh, a lot of businesses held things close to the vest, 
because of the trade war that was going on. So we'll have to see how that offsets. Um, is that better or worse with Biden? I don't know. Uh, and then finally, on the personal tax uh, uh, rates, Denny, Biden has says 400000 and over. I don't buy that for a second. Uh, but that's what he has said. One thing that does affect everyone is an increase to the capital gains tax. Any, it doesn't matter who you are. Every, everybody has investments, uh, and that will affect the stock market. Even if you don't have non-qualified investments, an increase to the cor- capital gains tax will affect the stock market. I think the biggest – and Biden is for that. The biggest thing that they're going to be doing to the tax, ta- the tax code – so that they can say they didn't increase your percentage of taxes is they're going to adjust the amount of standard deduction you got, and that will then affect everyone. So you're going to pay more tax even if your tax rate doesn't go up, and that's how they're going to slide it in. They're going to eliminate some of the things that allowed you to have more of your income not taxed, and that way they can say we didn't, uh, we fulfilled all our promises. We yeah. said we weren't going to raise your rate, and we didn't. Well, that's how they're going to get it. They're dusting off the old phrase, pay your fair share. Yeah. Right. How about that? Huh? There's not enough money in that 400000 and above to cover all the spending. It amazes me that he can be out there on the campaign trail basically saying the opposite of, of, of George Bush. He's saying, read my lips, new taxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and that, that, that gets by what, the focus group. What drives me nuts is the news media. What, what are you going to do for the virus? You, Trump's handling it so bad. Well, here's my six things. It, Trump was doing them all. <laughs> Every one of them, and, the, and well, that the reporter main, doesn't call him out on you know, it. No, and the main thing, when you look at the, the, the coronavirus response from Trump, is all the roadblocks that he took down to speed up things getting out the door, mm-hmm. whether it's the vaccine or roadblocks from a treatment perspective. He, he, put, he, he had the FDA go in and lower those roadblocks so that people could get treated and the vaccine could get sped up. Even with the new testing, the 15-minute test that just came out this week from Abbott Labs, I mean, that, that, that would have taken much longer had those roadblocks been there. But now here we are with one that is going to have app capabilities so you can show somebody you actually took the test. On, and, your, on your cell phone. Uh, yeah. And, and so this 15-minute test. Any final thoughts? I know you're going to head off to a meeting here, so you're not going to be with us for the second half of the show. But final thoughts here in terms of markets, elections? Well, there's a lot of people uh, that apparently don't like Donald Trump's personality. What, what don't you like? I don't like his tweets. Well, you have to look at how does it affect you? Are you better off than you were four years ago? And and what is this going to mean for the future? And, and when you look at uh, safety and security, not only in in the cities in this country, but it's coming to a street near you pretty soon if we don't get a handle on this stuff. They're giving Trump a lot of material for ads with these these riots. That's right. Uh, Law and order, lower taxes, uh, more economic growth, more prosperity in this country. The the choice has never been easier, in my opinion. Quick market thought in terms of where we are and and, 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 and what to— Would you like to know— yeah, where, where's the where's the S and P going to be at the end of the year? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny you ask because I've been asked that a lot, yeah. as we always do, and the answer is I don't know. Yeah, and that's that's the right answer. That's the right answer. <laughs> yeah. But it has been a, a, a historic rally off the bottom, and and if folks aren't rebalancing, uh, they probably should be. Uh, and listen, if you're younger and you're saving every week, every couple of weeks in your 401k? No, it might not matter no, to you. Stay full but, uh, but for people in retirement, it's important to stay on top of these things. So we're going to take our next pause. You're listening to Money Sense. Kevin Brad and Dennis Kirsten. We'll be right back. And welcome back. Brad Kirsten and Kevin Kirsten here with you this morning and talking about the election and 
the big juxtaposition between the two candidates, especially on taxes, but a lot of these other things. Um, and I and I think there's a you talk about the two candidates. I think you got kind of two United States here coming out of this coronavirus too. You got people that don't realize that there's a lot of states getting back to normal because their governors are keeping everything shut down. We get weekly numbers on on a lot of these economic things, and I think people would be surprised that everything has continued to improve on all these metrics, TSA checkpoints, uh, ho- restaurants opening back up, hotel occupancy, uh, rail car traffic, just all of the economic numbers are slowly improving. I think they would improve a little bit more rapidly if states were allowed to open up, but I think that's the one thing with the election here is we might have, if, if, they, if the governors continue to hold things shut in in Democratic states, you might see a state like New Jersey be fed up and and Senate and House seats start to change. And that would be a big difference. You see that first before you see the presidential shift. Yep. You see it in the you see it in the in in the governors and the and and the House members. And and I think you might get a little bit of that if they're digging their feet in on keeping the states shut, but also in not controlling the crime in, in their in their states and in their cities. You're going to get. You're going to get people fed up and, and say, I, I, this is not what I, I signed up for when I was voting for my candidate. Brad, another thing, we talked about taxes. How about regulation? Deregulation has been a clear priority for the Trump administration, uh, particular impact on financials and energy. Uh, the impact has not been reflective in sector performance yet, uh, but that doesn't mean deregulation wasn't uh, economically supportive to those sectors. Uh, under Biden, increased regulation uh, will occur. I mean, it's going to hurt small small businesses more than large uh, publicly traded companies who have the staff and can figure out the regulatory environment. Yeah, uh, large companies sometimes benefit from increased regulations at the expense of small companies. Uh, so I think what you're even sh- though Democrats sit there and say they they're out there for the little guy, yeah. uh, increased regulation hurts the people that can afford it the least. I think where you'll see it if it's Biden is that maybe not right away, but after some of these regulations come down, we usually see a lot of merger and acquisitions activity where the small companies give up, and whether they're publicly traded or not, they need to be bought out by a larger company because they cannot afford uh, the new regulation, and uh, and so there's some synergies there that uh, can be taken advantage. So of. So the three areas that I think would be most vulnerable to more regulation uh, under a Biden administration would, of course, be financials, which after the financial crisis, the regulation hammer came down as hard as anything and, on and, that side. It was always too big to fail, and then they created a too big to fail scenario where— Well, didn't I just mention—I mentioned talking about regulation, that it hurts the smallest companies the most. There is no better example of that than our banking and financial industry, where the smallest banks are the ones that— the mom and pop banks yeah. in your local town are the ones that all went under and were gobbled up by either mid-sized regionals or extra large mega JP Morgan Bank of Americas of the world and when you look at the harder the regulation JP Morgan Chase has all the lawyers in the world yeah. to handle this right. but your local bank doesn't right. and so what happens is they come in and they say why don't we buy up your branch and then you'll be under the Chase umbrella and so, like you said, with too big to fail, we just made them even bigger right. with more regulation. Right. Okay. And and the very people that can least afford it are the ones that get hit the hardest. So if regulation tightens, expect more of that. Uh, under a Democrat sweep, uh, you're going to see regulatory posts filled by people like Elizabeth Warren. And uh, if she gets her hands on the financial industry, she's already said what she plans to do. Uh, she's unlikely uh, maybe to receive a cabinet appointment, uh, but... Uh, and then the main reason why is because she's a senator, and those are sometimes hard to replace. But those are the types of people that Biden is going to put in his cabinet. Oil and gas is going to be hurt by extra regulation. 
as if they're not getting hit hard enough right. already. Right. Uh, so that would be another sector that could uh, struggle. And health care. Uh, Biden was an opponent of Medicare for all. And the most likely policy implication might be uh, an update or expansion of the Affordable Care Act. Uh, drug pricing might be a risk under either party. Trump really wants to get drug prices down. It's a print of priority for him. Even though too. they've now said that Medicare for all is not what they want, I think the first step will be they'll lower the age to 60. And that's, that's, that's their tiptoe into Medicare for all is just keep lowering the age. And if you really want Medicare to not run out of money, and if you look at the longevity that we have in this country, if anything, we should start gradually raising right. the age of Medicare, yeah. not if, lowering it. If you're 65 and older and you've been paying into Medicare up until now and you're just starting it, you should hate any policy that's going to include more people on it because the chance of it running out of money in your lifetime goes up versus where it is now. That's absolutely right. Yeah. So, uh, Brad, uh, Biden presidency, initiatives and governance. So when you look at, at, at Biden versus Trump, uh, infrastructure. You know, everyone always says the infrastructure. I kind of roll my eyes because it's it's just. Are we ever going to have an election where I don't have to hear roads and bridges yes, as part of the campaign trail? I know. It's, everyone uh, says eventually. It, but, don't we have? Aren't we done? I don't know. I drive downtown Toledo. It seems like a lot of roads and bridges are being. Yeah. <laughs> being yeah. No. I, it's not like they're not f- fulfilling the campaign promise. I, I. You're right. I mean, I. I hear that, and and you know, maybe some airports and things like that need updated. But I always hear about infrastructure bill and how there's bipartisan support, but whatever. Uh, I'm sure no matter who gets elected, there's going to be another COVID stimulus. If it doesn't happen in the next month or two, which I, it doesn't look like it's going to, we'll see if it happens in the next month or two. Be be hard to believe they'd put something together right before an election. But uh, Here, here's the COVID stimulus you need. You're allowed to open back up. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> That's mean, stimulus. Okay. Go ahead and open if you want to and be safe. Yeah. So, you know, we'll, we'll, I would think that no matter who wins, that's going to be what they're going to want to lead off with is some sort of new COVID package. Like, I won, and here I am to save the day. Uh, Trump if, will probably do if that, If they're going too. to do it, they need to do it and say, each state can get this money if you are allowed to, if you open back up. And if you don't open back up, you're not allowed to. I tell you what's going to be the big one, Brad, is the municipal finances. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's going to happen under each president to, you know, Biden's going to bail out these states. Yeah. Okay, he's going to bring that massive what they call the salt deduction, the state and local tax deduction. Now, I don't know. In Ohio, you may use that. But all that is, is for wealthy people who are buying 10 million dollar houses in New York and California, allowing them to write off a lot more of their federal of of their federal off of their federal. And all it really is, is the federal government subsidizing these states because those people then aren't paying the, the same federal as somebody making the same in Texas or Florida. Or a low-tax state. And so you make a million bucks in New York and you make a million bucks in Florida. The Florida person's paying more federal. That means the Florida person is subsidizing the New York person. And, and under Biden, he's going he's gonna to bail out New York. He's going to bail out. It, it's going to be a tougher call for Trump. But uh, you'll see a massive bailout of these big states, which I certainly don't necessarily agree with. Now, under Biden also, just to close that out on municipals, if, if taxes go up, it makes municipal fixed income investments more valuable. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing to keep an eye on, something we've always been proponents of uh, in non-retirement portfolios, the tax-free nature of the municipal bonds, uh, something that will become more valuable if if federal tax rates go up. So that's something to keep an eye on as well. We're going to take our last pause. You're listening to Money Sense. Kevin and Brad Kirsten, we'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to the advisors of Kirsten Wealth Management Group, Kevin Kirsten, Brad Kirsten, just wrapping up uh, the show, Brad. I think that kind of want to just wrap up what we talked about because I think we are at a little bit of an intermediate term inflection point uh, for the economy 
You know, we're winding down on the extra incentives for unemployment. COVID cases are dropping. People aren't talking about that, but they are dropping. Yeah. The market is 45 states with less than 10 percent of their hospital beds with COVID cases and 27 states with less than five. So you have very little hospitalizations across the whole United States of COVID cases. So it's kind of what we were hoping for. It's amazing that it's not making more headlines that it is dropping like it is. Right. So just to kind of wrap that up, looking, we think what is an intermediate term inflection point in the coming days or weeks you look at the the I mentioned before when August is as good as it has been, and we have been reducing risk for clients. That uh, doesn't mean take me to cash. No, right. that means reducing risk, rebalancing, uh, looking at a little bit more uh, more conservative fixed income. And when August is up five percent or more, I mentioned early in the show, three for eleven positive for September. So not a very good batting average. Plus September, when you look at the calendar, it's the worst month of the year in stock market performance. So September could bring a little bit more volatility as we get into debates and things like that as it pertains to the the election. So it's important. And and all the more reason, too, if you have money that hasn't been invested, uh, lump sum pension rollover, uh, maybe inheritance, cash that you've built up in the bank, it's okay to sit a month. It's okay to sit two months. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Okay. Put it in the money market. Put it in short-term insurance of some sort. It is not the end of the world to just take that money that's never been invested and just wait. Mm-hmm. Okay, We're going to have some volatility from now until election time. I'm not sure what the sell-off is or when it's going to come. But there's no way we're doing what we did over the last month from now until election day. It, it's just, it's un, it would be unprecedented. And so, Isn't I don't it think amazing, it's a- Brad, as the market goes higher? Even this year alone, we had a 30 30- seven percent sell-off 36 or whatever it was yeah and now investors can't even imagine the market dropping five it's it, there is a <laughs> i'm gonna miss out mentality already yes i mean it, it was just six months ago we started this sell-off and yet we're right back to people feeling like they're gonna miss out it, yeah it it, it it we are all so short-term in our thinking um sell-offs are normal but so are rallies and when we're in a sell-off the rally seems like it's unattainable and when we're in a rally you can't picture a sell-off. Right. It, and and you do need to get away from that and go back to the drawing board of knowing what amount of risk you want to take. And when you get a little above it because you're the the stock portion of your portfolio is rallied, bring it back into check. There's never been a better time to take a fresh look at your portfolio. Uh, you know, some people would say, oh, well, I, I'll do that. Uh, uh, you know, they were looking to do that in March. Uh, I really should take a look at this thing now no that's the time that you probably should market high you shouldn't do anything so you also the market also doesn't know calendars okay it doesn't know a calendar end okay doing it at the year end doesn't make any more sense than doing it when the market gets at an all-time high well and just look at it logically brad on february 19th when we hit the last all-time high on the s&p we had three percent unemployment yep okay now regardless of what you think about the markets moving forward is the underlying economic picture better or worse my point is, even if the market's at the same level it was in February, it's more expensive today than it was in February. Because, of, because of all everything that's going on. Right. Companies aren't earning as much. There's more people unemployed. And so are we moving in the right direction on all of those things? Yes. And, and the market is forward-looking. But it will take a while to get back to even 5% unemployment. And so while we're headed there, yes, the market will keep moving higher. But – We've we've gone a long way here now, and so I, I think it's it's time to be a little bit more cautious and patient, especially with new money that hasn't been invested or with dollars that you thought can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm adding more risk at the bottom. Now that you've now that you've you've you did that, and you've written it all the way up, let's bring it back into check. 
Right, that's right. So, um, you know, looking forward to that, we're going to have as much political rhetoric that we, that we've ever had. And well, I think even your sports teams are, are being political. Everybody's political now. Oh, it's it's crazy. That's right. And, and the unintended consequence of canceling your NBA playoffs and your baseball games, where there were more people to tune into the RNC, uh, and I think the viewership was pretty good this week because there was no sports going on. Right, and. That's that 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 rhetoric is not going to the temperature might go down a little bit after the election. Uh, of course, if Biden gets elected, it'll, you you'll cure covid and there won't be anything. But even if Trump gets elected that I think the temperature of the shouting yeah. uh, will go down a little bit. Do it hope. Uh, there'll be something else that uh, they'll come after him uh, for. But uh, when it comes to your investing, when it comes to your everyday life you got to stay even keel with all of this. You can't get too excited when the market's up. You can't get too down when the market's down. When you're making those adjustments to your portfolio, if you can do it right, if you can if you can take buying a little bit when it's down and selling a little bit when it's up, but it's always degrees. Mm-hmm. Don't think that there's anybody out there getting in and getting out at the bottoms and the tops. That doesn't exist. Okay. It's always five or ten percent here, ten or twenty percent there, in and out. And that's that's the right way to play this. And by the way, some years that are a little bit less volatile, a little bit more calm, you don't do anything. Yeah. And that's 2017, okay. 2017, every month was up. There was no need to even make any changes. Yeah, that's right. So stay with us for the next several months, the several, several weeks. We will guide you all the way into Election Day, and we'll be here each and every week to talk about what's going on in the markets. You're listening to Money Sense. Kevin and Brad Kirsten, we'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to Money Sense, brought to you each week by Kirsten Wealth Management Group. To contact Dennis, Brad, or Kevin professionally, call 419-872-0067 or 800-875-1786. Their email address is kirstenwealth at lpl.com, and their website is kirstenwealth.com. Opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your financial advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.